podcast with Anthony Stevens and Damien Rip. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Through the Lens podcast. Uh, this is episode 113. Today, we're back after another little small break. Um, and today, we're giving you a spoiler-free discussion review. You mean a spoiler full? Oh, a spoiler full. <laughs> a spoiler. It's all spoiler. Yeah, a spoiler review, talk, discussion, whatever uh, Bo is afraid. Yes. Um, and what else? Uh... We go into politics for a little too long. Yeah, we'll put that at the end of. The, well, it's going to be at the end of the episode. That way, if you just want to listen to the review, you can just cut it off after that. Yes. Uh, if you want to hear us rant about the other bullshit, then you can listen to it yes. if you want to. And then right before we cut out, we also uh, go into uh, horror franchises and oh yeah, yeah, the enigma that is how to make a successful horror franchise. Yeah, or how to make a good Saw movie, which seems like impossible. Uh, yes, but please enjoy episode one thirteen. a step back before you start attacking people and realize that you don't have the only valid opinion in this world mm-hmm. plain and simple period that's the truth truth unless you're telling me you don't like Bo is afraid and it's mid then that's just false i don't give a fuck and i'll be honest with you i think i like it more than you do <laughs> whoa i don't know i definitely like it more than you do i don't think you do I like it more than Hereditary. No, exactly. Okay, <laughs> that's the. It's the okay. We'll get into it when we, uh, after right. the review. So, so after when did so when did Disappointment Boulevard get first get? <laughs> it's wild to hear that title. <laughs> I know because the synopsis was even different. It was a. Uh, I remember it was a uh, decade spanning epic about the most successful entrepreneur in the world. That's what it was. Technically, technically not wrong technically not wrong it was about his mom exactly (laughs) um it's been two years roughly two years since it announced roughly okay since we saw the first uh shots it was right after joker came out so right at the end of 19 basically so i guess that would make it closer to four years almost oh fuck yeah oh fuck (laughs) no it's fucking nuts Joker. COVID delayed a lot of things. COVID fucked my life up. It fucked everyone's life up. It really like that. I can't even remember that whole year. Oh, I can. I hated it. I mean, I can remember it, but like it happened so fast, I forget about I'll it. I'll be honest. I hated parts of it. There were parts of it I absolutely loved because as a trash truck driver, the streets were empty, <laughs> and I could get my route done in like two hours less than normal. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but. This was one of the most anticipated films we had over the last four years. Since we started this podcast. It was, it was this one of Batman. These, this was one of the first episodes we did in that year. Yeah. Like, within the first ten episodes. Yep. We saw screenshots. We were excited for Disappointment Boulevard. We had zero clue it had any attachment to Bo. And you know what's fucking films. crazy? That I remember one of the pictures that was released was him in the pajamas, and yes. it said Bo, but I didn't think anything of it at the time. It went like, Boop. Right. Me and you weren't as savvy to it, I guess, is the word, maybe? Yeah, because uh, I had seen, obviously, Hereditary Midsummer, but I didn't see the short films until after Midsummer. Yes. I literally hadn't watched the short films until the last year. Mm. Um, 
And that was just morbid curiosity, honestly, Mm -hmm. because I don't think a lot of people really delve into, except for the huge a 24 nerds, Mm -hmm. such as us and the groups we're in, um, where honestly, I think that too many people put too much credence into the fact that this shared a similar title to Bo. Mm-hmm. I think it had more in common with a different short film of his, personally. Yep. And neither one for one at all. No, it's a. Honestly, there's only a l- little bit of bow that's in this movie yes and it's primarily the apartment the apartment and then technically the monster at the end in a different way yes um and i will say uh did you notice that um the exact same line was used uh when bow his uh his luggage got stolen mm-hmm. and then the maintenance guy tells him he's like you're fucked pal in the short film that same situation happened and it was ari aster walking through the hall telling bow that oh really yeah See, and it sucks because you can't go back and watch the I know, short film. I know, because it's gone. I don't know where it is. It pissed me off that it got yeah. pulled. But I understand why. Mm-hmm. Too many things were, like, propped up based on the short film because yep. of what was coming. And even the leaked script, uh, uh, Bo Was Afraid, came out after. When, <laughs> when Disappointment Boulevard was announced, even. Was it at all accurate? Because I purposely avoided uh, it. There's one guy on YouTube that I watched he said it is accurate aside from a part in the middle that's completely different okay yeah i can see that because he's he wrote this the first draft of it 11 years ago 10 years ago i also believe that yeah like this definitely seemed like a labor of love like a passion project 100 percent. yeah because he said 10 years ago when he wrote this when he was just out of the american institute film or whatever he tried to get it made and people told him that it was never going to get made. So he made, he thought making a horror movie would be like a good way to get a foot in the door and horror movies are easier to finance. A hundred percent. They're so, cheaper to make. Yeah. So two, he made Hereditary so. in the Midsummer, and then he had the clout for A24 to be like, you can do whatever you want. Right. And I'm sure they knew that this thing wasn't going to make money. They had to have known. But they usually make that gamble anyways on A24 films. Yeah. It's not so much if we're being honest about the money made because mm-hmm. most of the time they make their money back in DVD, DVD sales. sales. Yeah. And this one, this is the biggest budget of any A24 movie ever. Yes. 36 mil. And it's easily justifiable based on the cast. Based on the cast and based on honestly, just everything you see. Yeah. Um, no other studio would have let him make this movie as he, as it, as it no, did. we're not going to see a movie like this in theaters ever again. <sighs> I hope again. that's not true, but I do agree. Yeah, so that's why if people haven't seen it, they probably should go see it in theaters because you think this is, like, this is probably a once in a lifetime thing, more than likely. This was one of my favorite experiences I've ever had in a theater. Yes, <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I feel like I may have propped it up too much in my head at certain points. Really, just based solely on the fact that I had high expectations off the backs of Hereditary and Midsummer. I also have another controversial thing to say. I think I might like it more than Midsummer now. <laughs> this may be my favorite Ari Aster film. You see, this this went down a little bit. It was minus Hereditary Midsummer in this, but I still have to see it a second time. And that's really going to tell me. Because like, it's the parts that I like the most are the parts that I kind of relate to a little bit, like especially with the mom stuff at the end. I'm like... I was like watching it, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> See, <and laughs> I definitely find parallels to 
certain things with my own relationships with my own mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, even though I have a very healthy relationship with my mom, Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I think just like anybody, any relationship has troubles, but there are things in this. I feel like it's the riskiest thing I've ever watched. Yes. And I feel like it is the most stunning thing I've ever watched in so many different fucking ways. I can't tell you how many times me and you even looked at each other during the film and just been like, what the fuck is going on? And that's really a byproduct of a studio letting a director literally do whatever he wants. You'll never see anything. You'll never see that much freedom in a film ever. No. Like, I don't even know if A24 will allow that ever again. Probably not. (laughs) We did it one time. (laughs) It is bafflingly risky. Like, it's just fucking crazy. Yeah, and even even there's some uh, reviewers that I've watched that didn't really like the movie too much, but they still, they said that they're still glad that it exists. Yes. And I can see that as a great argument because not enough artists get the freedom that they should unless it really is a 24 yeah and this probably is going to show studios why they don't get the freedom exactly (laughs) um but i will also say this i have avoided watching i think i've seen two reviews of this film Mm -hmm. purposely one i believe was chris stuckman and the other one was the one that you sent me uh i can't remember who it was but i genuinely just wanted to kind of sit on this on my own yeah to reflect on it and see what I could gather as my own opinion. And I waited days to watch those videos Mm -hmm. because I genuinely do not want anything tainting my experience with this film. Yeah. Cause there was so much to it. Mm -hmm. We can literally start from the top spoilers. Start here. Yes. Okay. You know, you know what's crazy about the opening is there's so much shit that happens throughout the movie that I forgot the opening happened. What is the opening at this point? Well, when he's being born. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I, like I said, after the movie, I forgot that happened because there's so much shit that happened. <laughs> Dude, well, it's three hours fucking long, and yeah. there are like there are moments where it feels like you're watching different movies. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Especially that middle section. Dude, I teared up on that. We'll get oh, to that later. Yes. Um, yeah, so he's being born at the beginning. I was genuinely confused by that beginning because yeah. I was like, the screen's black. Is it something not showing up? Yeah, you because... See, like, Flashes of red. Because you didn't hear the baby cry first. You just heard the woman screaming in the background. Yes. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then you get that he's being born and they drop him. Yeah. Even. And then they spank him. Yeah. And, that's how it, and everything from that point on. is balls to the wall. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. Like, that was a very risky opening, in my opinion, also. Because yeah. of the fact that I've never seen anything like that done. Mm-hmm. It is genuinely just like. Uh, what's the right word it's it relies on your senses so much that you honestly have to guess what the fuck is going on for the first minute and a half especially seeing IMAX with that sound oh my god I'm like looking around well I I had to like figure out what the fuck was going on I was like is something going off that I'm not like realizing (laughs) because it was just everywhere around you Mm -hmm. Uh, and then like the small little flashes you get on the screen like while he's entering the world and then it it really took me a moment Mm mm-hmm um, but as soon as he comes out and everything, and he lands on the floor, and then they smack him on the ass. Like, oh, okay, and I think one of the first things you see when he's actually out is like baby penis, and I was like, great, here we go. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we start with this. And then, like the in- the uh, opening is like a lot of things in this movie, like where it lingers on it for just long enough for it to make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, 100 percent. You're like, okay, especially 
scenes with like Nathan Lane. Yeah. Like, I didn't expect to feel as uncomfortable as I was during certain scenes. I know. It was fucking crazy. Um, So then, do we jump straight from the childbirth to to therapy? Yes. Um, I felt like something weird was going on as soon as the therapist asked about, do you ever wish your mother was dead? Yeah. Yeah. That that, kind of like shows you like the beginnings of like, kind of gives you hints as to what his relationship is with his mom. And then one thing that you really don't notice until after the movie's over is when Bo kind of answers that question, the therapist writes down guilty. But when you watch it the first time, you like kind of, or at least I interpret it as he's writing it because he thinks that Bo is feeling guilty. That's what but I was thinking But after the movie's too. over, he's like kind of judging him like, nope, he's guilty. Oh, oh yeah. Like, like he's going to take this note back to his mom. There were so many moments where I was like, the word guilty is used very frequently in the film. Yeah. And it didn't have a whole lot of context until you get to the big reveal. Yeah. And the part that is kind of frustrating about the film, but at the same time is logical and makes me kind of feel like it's based off of a different short film more than it is Bo, mm-hmm. is the fact that everything is propagated by the mother. Yes. He's literally set up from the moment he's born to feel guilty for everything he does. Yeah. To the point where she has to make shit up to make him feel guilty and to solidify his guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, she makes the therapist say, do you ever feel like killing your mother or wishing she was dead or anything like this just to test his loyalty. Mm-hmm. Especially because she's taken care of him his whole life. Yep. To a degree. To a degree. While having, essentially, her foot on his neck. Yeah, influencing everything he does, influencing everything he's scared of. I mean, she's so Um, successful. Her her fucking logo is all over the movie at all points. Yeah. She even owns the apartment building he lives in. That's the part of her company. The microwave he uses, the food he eats, the drugs he's taken since he was a kid. And that literally, that just shows you the kind of hold that she has on every aspect of his life. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and certain things are fairly comical, but it, he also is, at least what I gathered from the film, he is her test subject for everything. Basically, yeah. Uh, and you see that closer towards the end of the film. And like, we'll, obviously, we'll get there, but like, anytime she needs to test a new drug, it's him. Mm-hmm. He's the poster boy up until he reaches a certain age and he's able to get out on his own. Yeah. He's, you can tell he's grateful and he's always scared to disappoint her, but he doesn't really know why. Yeah. So yeah. Cause he doesn't have his own like thought process basically. Like he's always like never making his own decisions mm-hmm. until the very end. Yes. When he makes the decision that ultimately changes everything. But, um, yeah. And, his anxiety and everything else is built up so much that everything you see in the movie is like really from his point of view. So even the crazy shit that's happening, like the cop that was about to shoot him, that cop in reality, if you watch the movie from like a different person's point of view, that cop was probably just telling him to chill out. But through his eyes, everything's so like zero to hundred that that's what it looks like to him. That's how his anxiety is. And that's, that's another crazy part of it. Well, and you also have to wonder 
is any of what he's experiencing a side effect of the shit that his mom is constantly pumping him with yeah and the even new the, drugs the newest or, drug when it said uh, always take with water <laughs> well where even if he didn't really need to take it with water it causes that extra paranoia yeah and that's why that thing was such a big deal to him because he's so anxiety ridden that a little minute detail like that is going to be like amplified yeah. by 100 where i was like i was really wondering at a certain point like where is Bo is afraid come in like what is the point of like why is he afraid mm-hmm. and then you start to realize like everything he's been fed by his mother his entire fucking life has been to create fear in him and make him second guess everything he's ever done yeah like <laughs> to the point where like he's terrified to have sex yeah because on the night that he was conceived his dad died yes that's what the story is yes it's just constant thing after thing and there's always a new fear being introduced no matter how minute or in the background it is like even down to the fucking brown recluse where which we're almost at the brown recluse but i think it's a little symbolic i think i think kind of represents like at least for me like he's kind of the recluse I definitely get that. Yeah. It's also a real thing, though. 100%. Yeah. But I also think it's just another one of those things that is like, it almost feels planted as an extra thing for him to fear. Mm. Because if we're being honest, I'm not going to say, oh, you're never going to run into a brown recluse in your entire life. It is very possible. Yeah. I haven't yet, so that's good. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always terrified of stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. But especially in moments like that, like I remember when I was growing up, like as soon as I heard about that, that was like one of my biggest obsessions was avoiding one at all costs. Even black widows. I was terrified of those bitches. Yeah. I've seen two black widows in my entire life. Never seen a brown recluse. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen a couple black widows. And I'm like the possibility that I'm going to run into these in everyday life is like, next to none yeah There's but it's n- still there yes <laughs> you still think about it <laughs> but having it in your apartment building would be fucking terrifying oh yeah um so we'll run through it real quick so he, he's uh calling his mom on the way home <laughs> and you see some of the weirdest shit that i've ever seen in my life Kid with like, the aka <laughs> yeah just perfectly fine out on the street just looking at it trying to test it out seeing if he wants to buy it uh the dude about to kill himself jump off the building we're trying to get him to jump (laughs) yeah i was like what the fuck um and then the mother obviously trying to rein her son in yeah like really that was also a little yes little thing it uh, there was a lot in this film where i was like you can't tell a hundred percent what all is real yeah that and then there's also little hints throughout the movie that you don't understand until it's over yes then you're like okay I could see why that was planted there because it relates to this. Hundred percent, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my favorite part is when he's getting to his apartment building for the first time, and he's hauling ass. Yeah, <laughs> and you're just like, why is he running? Him. <laughs> the fuck! Every time the tattooed uh, face guy like gets something to eat, it's too hot, and he's like, fuck it's it. hot. <laughs> he fucking <laughs> throws it. <laughs> the one that when it hit, because the first time you hear it, it's like setting it up. And then when you can hear him, like, just, like, a little muffled through the apartment, he's like, it's fucking hot. <laughs> when he microwaves yeah, the fucking like, microwave. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the uh, funny, well, we'll get to it, but the funniest fucking part to me 
was when he's walking away from his mom's house and he's making that weird face as he's walking towards the camera. I don't know why that was so fucking funny. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but I think one of my... The thing I probably thought was the funniest was the bathtub. Uh, yeah. and, and the sex scene. Those two things fucking blew my mind. The knife guy was fucking hilarious. The knife guy was the fucking... <laughs> oh, man. So... Obviously, yeah, I like. I don't feel like we should go over every part. Probably not. So from but, here, so we can. So this also is a part where he's getting ready to go to, to the airport, and he uh, takes his luggage out to the hallway, leaves his keys in the door, and he, he goes back in a couple times because he thinks he forgot something. And he comes back the last time, and his shit's gone. His keys are gone. His suitcase is gone, and that almost seems like. It was planted by his mom too, like yes. on purpose, to see what he would do in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Would he still go and visit her, and, or would he make up excuses, or would he have her? But make how a is decision? it making up an excuse? That's the shit that blows my mind. And exactly. That's, that's how. That's so fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where I think it is more closely related to um, Munchausen. Munchausen. Yeah, by far. Yeah. Than it is Bo, because it's a combination of these two films. Mm-hmm. Because obviously Bo and Bo is afraid. But you have his mother constantly creating these fears in him, so he needs her. Yep. And if he deviates from her plan at all, it's betrayal. Yep. And there are so many examples of this in the film, mm-hmm. even down to the point where after everything happens in the apartment and he tries to go and get water after he takes those pills that he's all paranoid about needing water with. Oh, that's funny, too, when he's trying to give him the guy money. <laughs> he's like a couple cents short, and the dude fucking calls the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Never would that happen. <laughs> it's it's another one of those points of just absolute paranoia, feeling yep. guilty for something. Mm-hmm. And while he's doing that, everybody starts funneling into the fucking building because he propped <laughs> it open so he could get back in. Which I'm like, I don't know why he really needed to do that, but I understand he needed to get in and get out. Mm-hmm. But propping the door open, let everybody else in, and he ends up having to sleep outside and watch everybody just fucking destroy his apartment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, he decides to go in and take the bath. And the fuck, as soon as stuff started dripping from the ceiling, I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on? And you see the dude propping himself up and just sweating his balls off. And then the brown recluse is fucking crawling on his face. And before that, that's when we find out his mom's dead. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's like the big, the big uh, Fucking thing. Fucking Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Yeah, he comes in there and he's like a UPS guy and he walks in on the scene and his mom uh, has a chandelier that fell like right on her head. <laughs> yeah, and his reaction to it was really good too. Oh yeah, because he didn't like overdo it. He kind of just like stood there and his face kind of got a little contorted. Oh yeah, that was like that was perfect. You cannot say that the acting in this was not sublime. Yeah, because it was. It was perfect. Even though his Joaquin's character is pretty one note for the most part, mm-hmm. it still did enough to where you enjoyed it the whole time. And you believe his motivations and his reactions. Yeah. Um, and then after <laughs> after the dude falls on him in the hot in the bathtub, hauls ass out of the apartment, and <laughs> he sees he sees the dude who <laughs> we forgot to even fucking mention really the dude with the knife. Um, <laughs> other than the fact that you just brought him up, um, 
there's a serial killer on the noose on the loose and He's fucking butt ass naked just stabbing just people. people and no one's decided to arrest him he's just going <laughs> he's just out fucking around. killing people there's video evidence of the dude fucking killing people and, and he finally killed that dude that's dancing outside the building <laughs> he's just <started> fucking <clears throat> and he tries to run away from him runs into the cop that you mentioned before and then he gets hit by nathan lane and holly Ho- yeah holly i guess that's the best way to what is her name grace in the movie grace yeah her name's amy ryan i think i believe so yeah she's good um, in that movie she's good in this fucking fantastic i was very weirded out by certain situations when he wakes up in their house because it does feel very stockholm syndrome yeah and honestly it goes kind of like a the movie itself is basically has four like chapters basically yes. you got the apartment you got Nathan Lane's house, you got the forest, and then you got the mom house. Yes. And I, I would probably consider the first two parts as the first act. That's the first act, and those two parts are the most logical out of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You can kind of follow what's going on. Yeah. But about halfway through the Nathan Lane was when it gets like, okay, what the fuck? Yes. And you can definitely tell off the bat that something fishy is going on mm-hmm. in the house because of the meds that he's being pumped with. Being pumped with a bunch of meds, and his daughter's taking a bunch of meds. And She's fucking eating them like candy. Yeah, and then they just kind of let it happen. Like, they're kind of experimenting on her, too, yeah. a little bit. And they're so, like, nonchalant about the way she yeah. is. Like, they're just like, oh, like, don't take them all at once. Yeah, because it kind of shows, because their, their son died in battle and war. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of shows that they're still f- so focused and so obsessed with that that they're kind of neglecting her. Yes, 100%. To the point where she's not even allowed in his bedroom. Yeah. No one is. Yeah. Um, and... And you understand why she acts the way she does. Yes. To the point where even Grace feels guilty giving him... <laughs> their son's cup <coughs> yep uh, to drink coffee or whatever out of in the morning and it's so off-putting because he wants to leave so badly to go to his mother's funeral he's guilted into it by the lawyer and he says no i want to go now i need to go now mm-hmm. even though in his mom's eyes at the end he didn't want to go enough yeah he didn't try hard enough even though yeah. he literally said like 18 fucking times <laughs> yeah but he's like oh we got to do it tomorrow he's like unless you really need it now then i can reschedule my stuff making him feel guilty yep. for needing to go to his mother's funeral <laughs> yeah it is the most illogical shit in the world <laughs> yeah. where you're like it's halfway unbelievable but it reinforces the munchausen syndrome yeah and the only there's a character the only character in that whole sequence or that whole setting that is obviously in on it and obviously doesn't want to be a part of it is grace grace 100 she even uh leaves him a note under the coffee that said don't incriminate yourself yeah. which stop when the flash the first time you're like what the fuck yeah you're like and then you realize she was with? trying to give him hints as to what was going on mm-hmm. and well we'll get to it but then we later find out that she didn't really even want Bo there Yes, because she says like I see what you're doing. What she say? You want to replace my son or some shit like that? Well, she she said I didn't see it initially, but yeah, she's convinced that at that point of basically the same thing that the daughter is convinced of. Yeah, that she's he's essentially trying to replace this her son, which obviously isn't his fucking intention because he's been trapped there. Yeah, so you're like there's just so many jumps in logic, but you can sort of see how certain things are fall into place yeah she even gets to the point where like 
it tripped me out to see his life, even in the future, on the fucking security tape. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, this shouldn't even be physically possible, but it's another one of those things where it takes you out of reality to wonder what the fuck in this is actually real and is, isn't. Yeah, and I think it also shows like the way he was able to like see in the future kind of like shows that the kind of like trauma that he's been through is like, I don't know how to explain this. You kind of know what the future holds. Yes. Because it, it's basically the same shit every day kind yeah. of deal, I guess. And I, I think it kind of also subconsciously shows that he is semi-aware of what is going on and that he's been lied to his whole life at a certain point. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, whether what he's experiencing is real or not, it's just the fact that he doesn't feel in control of his life and he feels like there's a thumb on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you obviously have the fucking wild scene with <laughs> the daughter taking yeah. him on that drive and making him smoke whatever the fuck it was. I'm assuming PCP or something. Some shit. And uh, I felt really bad for him in that scene. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. Like, yeah. Like very, especially when they're like, basically you either smoke it or we're going to say you raped us. Basically. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fucked up. She's like, I saw it. And I'm like, you are on camera saying that you're accusing <laughs> yeah. him of this shit. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That was fucking wild. Um, and then you just get from the car to him sitting in the corner being like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, also, uh, their son's friend that was in battle with them lives Jeeves. with them. Jeeves. Yeah. And he's all he's just super fucked up from like war and shit. Super PTSD. Yeah. Like exaggerated. Yeah. Like I've never actually heard of someone being. I, I've heard of extreme cases of PTSD, but this is like PTSD on steroids. Yeah. Like, it's fucking insane. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, But the daughter is constantly trying to convince Jeeves also that Bo is a bad guy. My, one of my favorite things in the world is when... Uh, so you get the flashbacks to when he was on the boat uh, mm-hmm. after she makes him smoke. Yep. And you get to meet... What is her name? The actress? Uh, no, the character's Elaine? name. Elaine? Yes, Elaine. And, His lover. And then uh, once you get to the present day and he sees her on the video of like his mother's death and shit, he fucking freaks out and throws up all over the computer. Another one of like the great comical scenes of the film. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me too. When uh, after his apartment gets fucked up, and he tries to go look at his computer and uh, things through it, and he's still using it. <laughs> Ooh, was it a shoe in it or yeah, something? something like that. Like, it's just wild. Yeah. Like there's so many over the top comedy moments in it, but it's just like it's perfectly executed. Yeah. Um. And then after, so obviously, we get back to all this. He finds the videotape, and then the daughter drags him into the son's room. Which yeah. automatically was super uncomfortable. Yeah, and at that point, she's fucking too far gone. And this is where we get the main Ari Aster trope. Dead sister. <laughs> like, every fucking movie has a yeah. dead sister. And I, I think there's something t- something with the color of the paint. Um, why she's writing Bo's name in pink. And why she's drinking the blue. I think it's like the blue represents their son. And the pink represents like her, like she's painting Bo's name on the wall, but she's really writing her name on the wall, and she's drinking the blue paint because she wants to have the same um, 
like she feels like she wasn't good enough yeah she's on the same recognition as her brother is yeah. getting but she's not so I, I think it's I kind of symbolic there yeah and it was honestly kind of a weirdly brutal death scene for something yeah, that i was, wasn't expecting that's like i don't want to say it's a tame way but it's in comparison to the other one <laughs> but uh <laughs> the other but two. it was still the thing that made it brutal was her face after the fact yes. her eyes are all fucked up i'm like oh. yes <laughs> and, I'm like, and she's kind of just limping <laughs> i can definitely see the significance of like the color and stuff like yeah that. like I, I definitely agree with you yeah but it was just definitely wildly unexpected yeah like i i I knew that scene was going to end in some sort of crazy way, but I didn't think she was going to kill herself. Yes. Yeah. It, it definitely zero to a hundred real quick. And that's when Amy Ryan says the you're trying to replace my son and shit. And then he fucking Joaquin just books it out of there. And then she tells Jeeves to basically follow him and yeah. k- kill him. Basically. I loved when he jumped through the fucking door. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. This is on. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that was like where everything felt like it just fucking accelerated. Yep. Like that that was the jumping off point for the entire rest of the film. Yeah. Um runs, hits the fucking tree, blacks out. Yep. And this is where we move into the forest play. Yes. Wake up, find the pregnant chick, and she leads him into the forest to this essentially what I would consider like a little convent community commune i think the the pregnant woman had some more significance than what she showed because she he clinged to her really quick too i think she represents something too i think it's a it's the motherhood aspect Mm, of the film but i think it's also a more innocent version and kind of a hopefulness of what he kind of wanted from his childhood okay someone who actually seemed like she cared about the future yeah and wanted to not coddle, but care for what was coming. Mm-hmm. Where he felt more like a prop. The only time where I genuinely felt in the movie like his per- his mother actually cared for him was when she was kind of offering him advice on how to talk to Elaine. Yeah. But even then, you kind of get the vibe through the rest of the film that that was even set up. And she was an employee of his mother her entire fucking life from childhood. Which is creepy. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. Especially when um, Elaine gets taken away by her mom. And she goes into the room and it, yeah, it's, it happens so fast and there's a lot going on to where it feels like. It was essentially the mother's insurance of, hey, this is the only way I can keep him celibate and from having sex with anybody. After two fears that she's implanted into him. Mm-hmm. A, having someone who is potentially the love of his life just pulled away from him. Yep. And potential death. Yeah. (laughs) By sex. Yeah. Like, what a wild fucking thing to put into a kid's head. Yeah. Like, that alone explains a lot of his fears, is he legitimately thinks he's going to die if he ever busts a nut, so the dude's probably never even masturbated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To the point where, like, I've never seen such large testicles on a film. Yeah. In a film. (laughs) He's 40 in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... I've seen the 41-year-old virgin uh, who knocked up Sarah Marshall and felt super bad about it. <laughs> um, and I don't even think the testicles in that film were as big as they were in this yeah. one. Yeah. Like, just wild. And I like how, like, 
well, we'll get to it, but when they show him, they just only show him for like a second. It's like not lingered on at all. You just get it. <laughs> oh, fucking. And it's it's not even like the center and it's not what's focused on. No, it's just that you see it, you see it. Yeah. It's, and it's, a lot of people did because a lot of people laughed. Artistically pleased. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he she shows up to this like little like group of like play people that they just travel around and yeah. do plays. And then you get, you start to get like a... Or you see one hint at this one dude that he's kind of focusing on. Yes. And it's kind of planted earlier on in his apartment. There's a picture of his dad, but it's kind of blurry. And yes. And that, that's immediately where I was like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, that side profile is like, th- this yeah. is who is described as his father. Yeah. And it's not explicitly said that it's his dad, but you kind of gather that it is. Yes. Uh, even though once you get closer towards the end of the film, you get the vibe that his father is more of an idea rather than an actual person. Yeah. So... Yeah, that can go either way there. Yes. Um, just, you could say, hey, it is this guy, but at one point he even says, and we'll get into the actual crux of the play, because honestly, the play itself is mostly the third act, or second act. That could have been a movie on its own. It, it was at a certain point. It was it's fucking crazy. It's so strangely told, but it is... I, I don't feel like intoxicating is the right word, but like it is hard to take your eyes off of. You are fucking plastered to the screen. Yes. And it... it you definitely feel the length of it, but not in a bad way. Yes. You're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, you're like, I don't know if this is going to end, but I'm kind of okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, it is just so fucking entrancing. That's really the Lord of the Rings-esque part of it. Yes. It's just like a guy traveling around, but there's more to it than that. But Yes. Um, yeah. I, I don't get the whole Jewish Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah. it didn't feel very Jewish at all to me. I guess just... He's just Jewish. And that's because Ari Aster's Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you, he even says, like, I used to take care of your father when yeah. he does actually end up talking to him. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, this dude's not his actual dad. Mm-hmm. And he dies right away, anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he kind of like, if anything, he kind of just represents the idea that he had of his dad in yes. a way. Um, but the play is absolutely beautiful, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of represents a symbol of hope for him and being able to kind of escape his mother's grasp. It's the only part of his life where he legitimately until the end of this play did not even consider his mother. Yeah. Like he was free for a moment Mm -hmm. to just kind of imagine his life as a father and as a husband. Right. And as someone who lost everything Mm -hmm. and was able to find it again, like have, hope and less fear mm-hmm. but then the fear crept in right at the end again yes i mean it, it, that was like the one moment or one section of the film where you're like he feels genuinely free mm-hmm. and you even have hope for him and then he even gets to the point where he's like oh yeah i couldn't have had you because if i have sex i'll die yeah and then that's when it just reverts back and then yes oh that's also michael gandolfini's son it was one of his sons in that scene oh uh the taller one his name is Michael yeah, Gandolfini. Because it's uh, his dad is James. No, it starts with a J, I think. James, George, George Gandolfini. Give me a John Gandolfini. I think it's John uh, James or John. Give me a minute. It's one of the two. Uh, Sopranos. It is James Gandolfini. Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't realize that honestly. Yeah, but uh, that that whole scene, like I, I teared up a few times throughout that scene. I did too. Um, when he was talking about when they were when the story was being told about him meeting this woman and how 
she provided something for him that he, you know just some shit like that and i was like i don't know why i teared up on that part and then um it's honestly beautiful like yeah it, it was very well told like even the weird monotone like narration of that whole section was just like yeah because her voice oh. sounded like it was like in my head like mm-hmm. normally when you watch movies you can tell like it's narration but for yeah. some reason it felt so close and that like impacted it more it was fucking crazy. <laughs> it, it was... I've never felt that w- specific way during any section of a film, especially because it almost felt like it was just an entirely different movie. Yeah. Like, it. I've never been that taken out of, like, a plot and dropped into something else where I forgot what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's crazy. literally entrancing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I can't really know. I don't know really how to describe it even more than that. Yeah. And then, obviously, everything's broken up and he has to run away because Jeeves comes and starts fucking killing everybody. I legit thought we were going to see Jeeves just shooting everybody up like more. Like, just see everybody just dying. I thought he was dead in that moment, too. Mm. It's like an hour later that you find out he's not. Yeah. But, um, just fucking murks everybody. Yep. Shoots himself in the chest like 40 times. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Bo is essentially taken out by the shock collar, which is a tracker on his foot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wakes up in the middle of the woods. Everything's fine. He exits onto the highway, hitches a ride to his mother's house, and the funeral's already over. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you see, he walks into the house, and you can see his mom in the uh, casket, but they really focus on the hands. Yes. but, But you don't know until after why. It kind of bothered me that there was no hint at that it's just something that you find out it's not something that is explained at all you don't even know that he really had a caretaker as a child okay and I'm, honestly that didn't bother me normally like things like that when you're like there's no like hint at it beforehand and they kind of just drop shit on you that kind of like bothers me sometimes but it didn't bother me in this one i i, I still enjoyed the reveal mm-hmm. but it was just like even the smallest hint I would have been happy with. Mm. J- j- just to like layer some like, hey, maybe his mom's not dead. <laughs> mm. Like, there was no, hey, I didn't know that he had a caretaker and I didn't know she had a birthmark on her hand. It's not hinted at all. Just a little bit of that would have been a little fun. Okay. Um, but to realize that he even knew, hey, my mom's not dead and he doesn't give it up at all. But it, I think it's also the point where he realizes, hey, without telling the audience, which is another reason why I am a little bit more forgiving with it, hey, my mom lied to me about this, about her own fucking death. Why wouldn't she lie to me about me being able to have sex? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you, that's when he starts. And when he's walking down that staircase, there's a picture of him in his apartment. Really? I, 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 maybe I didn't even notice yeah, it. It was the scene where he learned that his mom was dead and he was on the phone. There's literally a picture on that staircase in that column. He like looks at it too. There's a picture of him standing in his apartment. See, in this that is moment. one of those ones I feel like I need to watch like six more times. I know. <laughs> like, well, yeah, Ari Aster said in the behind the scenes that there's details even in the graffiti on in the, in the apartment building. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, you gotta watch this shit like a couple times and pause and shit. I laughed at the graffiti quite a few times and yeah. I think that's another thing. It's the funny parts of it are distracting enough to probably get rid of some of those hints subliminally. Yeah. Um, but so he takes his chance on having sex with that chick Elaine and you're like, holy fuck, 
he didn't die. And then she's like, well. I was for a second. I was thinking he was about to die. I did too. I was like, no. And then if this is the biggest twist I've ever fucking seen in a film. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, you got off, so I'm going to get off. And so she finishes herself off. Oh, and also he's playing Mariah Carey. That's why she was at the premiere. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so she comes and she has a fucking heart attack and dies. And you're She's like, fucking oh my solid, God. <laughs> to the point where like they lift her up and take her out. And she's like a fucking statue. I was, when they were taking her out, I was waiting for them to hit her head on like the door or something on the way out. That would have been funny. <laughs> but like, she looked so light with the way they were carrying yeah. her out. She looked like plaster. Yeah. And then uh, and right after that, well, before that, as soon as he like, freaks out and she just falls off the bed his mom just fucking walks in the room and she's like i saw the whole thing he's like i knew you weren't dead yeah i saw the birthmark yeah um and then the reveal oh my god the next reveal is fucking oh yeah (sighs) well a you first meet the therapist and then you find his mom patty lapone lapone she gives like three monologues in that bitch and i'm like captivated by every single one of them like what the fuck amazing delivery yeah i'm like this it felt too personal to me yes because there's yeah there's some words i was like (laughs) (laughs) uh and then this is also a point where um or shortly before he has sex with elaine where you see nathan lane's picture right below elaine's picture as an employee and you're like okay that's when because they didn't explain that yet but that's when you're like okay yeah you're like okay everything's fucking connected and something's going yeah um, but once he has that conversation with his mother after he meets the therapist, um, or sees the therapist and finds out that everything was basically constructed by his mother at one point or another, um, you go back to this memory he's been reliving throughout the film about, uh, what he considers to be a dream of a braver self who got trapped, got locked away. Yes. Because he decided to stand up to his mother and ask where his father was. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, it wasn't a fucking dream. It was a memory. It's a memory. Sends him up to the attic with his twin brother. Twin brother. Fucking chained up. And a seven foot penis monster. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck just happened here? That's your father. (laughs) And that's where I get like, I'm like, you can take it literally if you want to. I don't think that's the right option. No. I think it's more of a representation of what a what his father is to him because all of his life he was essentially told like hey your father died while having sex with me to conceive you so essentially all he is especially because he doesn't really have a whole lot of pictures or anything of his father is a set of balls and a dick to him yep it is the idea that this is what brought me into this world Mm -hmm. whether or not his actual dad was there or not and it's just his vision of what could be there. All he would see is a dick. Yeah. It's just what his mom fed him with his whole life is like a vision of his dad. Mm-hmm. And then Jeeves jumps through the window and shoots oh, the fuck out of him. In a weird way, because he kind of saves Bo. Yeah. It, which, don't explain why, because he was just trying to kill him like a couple, like, yeah. hour ago or whatever. But and I then, think anybody would try to kill a seven foot tall penis. Yeah, I guess. And he just starts <laughs> stabbing the nuts. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And then the fucking random pincer comes out and just right in the head. Yeah. And then you never see the twin brother again either. No. And he falls down the fucking attic steps, decides to try to choke his mother out, runs out 
to a boat, which we saw glimpses of earlier through the security tapes. And there's also a significance of him choking his mom, because that's when he finally made a decision. Yes. And kind of like took control, took back control of his life, essentially. Momentarily. Yeah. <laughs> and then decides to run away. Yep. Gets on the boat, travels through these rocks, which I'm like, oh, how fucking convenient. He's essentially placed in this fucking amphitheater where he's put on trial. And then... Which is pretty epic. Yeah, it's fucking wild. <laughs> and honestly, one of my favorite endings to a film, because you just see the boat upside down after he's basically executed. Yeah, and nobody cares. Everyone's just leaving. Yeah, And you watch the crowd leave mm-hmm. as we just focus on this upside down boat, which is essentially like his grave. Yeah. And until the screen goes black, that's all you fucking see is just people filing out an empty fucking auditorium. Cut to black, done. Mm-hmm. and i like how like in that setting it's like a, a trial and his mom's lawyer has a loud voice and bo's attorney or whatever trying to fight for him you can't hear the voice because his own voice is being silenced by his mom his whole life and it's still going on now yeah even when it comes to trying to represent his opinions and his chance at freedom like he's constantly been snuffed out yep and then i like when they throw the lawyer off the edge and just fucking lands on the head boom it was like oh it reminds me of midsummer great effects for this film honestly yeah not what i expected Mm -hmm. everything was beautifully done um comedy i'd probably say it was like an eight out of ten nine out of ten like it's fucking hilarious Mm -hmm. at certain points the horror aspects i think are slightly overstated okay uh while I really enjoy them. Thriller, I would also give like a 9 out of 10. If we're going the horror, i say probably 5 out of 10. Okay. Because it's not really scary. It's not. There's a couple scenes in there that are like horror-esque. Yes. But uh, nothing too on the nose. But my fucking heart was pumping during multiple moments of this film. Uh, if I had to give it an overall score, I will say 8 out of 10. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, I'm constantly going back on back and forth on which i like more hereditary or bow is afraid and it's more down to i think it's fun i love the concept i enjoyed the comedy i enjoyed the logic in it and just how fucking absolutely surprising it was at every turn whereas i feel like if i'm watching midsummer there's too much real shit there for me where I can't disconnect. I, okay. I connect it to my actual life way too much where I fucking love that movie. That's one of my favorite movies of all time at this point. But Bo is afraid is more something I can watch to escape. If I'm wanting something where I'm like, I know this is going to fuck me up and I just need a good cry. I will watch Midsummer. You see that I'm, I'm like that right now with Bo is afraid. Um, I think that's why I have it third because it's a little too personal in points. But I got to see it again a second time, yeah, to see where it really lands. And Hereditary, I think, this is always going to be my number one from him. And I can see that. Um, yeah, because I don't know when I saw that movie for the first time, I felt like I was like, okay, I could see like a change coming, like, and it really did. It like influenced a lot of shit that came after it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's crazy. So. It's definitely wild. What would you give it as a score? You, so you said about eight. Uh, you both was right. Yeah, yeah, at eight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's you can definitely see a theme with mm-hmm. a lot of Ari Aster's films. Yeah. A, 
Mothers are the villain. <laughs> Mothers are the villain. Um, uh, sisters need to die. Yep. And he definitely has a s- kind of a twisted sense of the world. Yeah, and just, uh, I guess, overall, just family trauma in, in, like, in general. And I think that's why everything he's made to thus far is so extremely relatable, no matter how fantastical it may be. Yeah, and I will say, watching his movies has made me lean towards directing more, directing and writing more so than acting. 100%. Like, I still want to act, but I think, like, directing and writing is, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely put my passion a lot more towards directing. Yeah. Where I've always enjoyed the thought of acting, but directing is the one thing where I'm, like, especially the more and more I watch him Robert Eggers used to be Kevin Smith, but less so recently. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just this excitement of being able to tell a story like this. Yeah. Like being able to put something on the screen that that many people can relate to even subconsciously is it, I don't know. It's, it's exciting to me. Yeah. I feel the same way. And this movie really solidified, like, I think I told you, Ari Aster is, like, my number one guy. Yes. I think of all time now at this point. I think Eggers still has a slight edge for yeah, me. Yeah, because he did the Viking movie. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's so fucking well done. But <laughs> Lighthouse is perfectly done. Yeah. Uh, if I had a steak right now, I'd fuck it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? <laughs> You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? Um, hard! <laughs> and, uh... I fucking love The Witch. Yeah. Like The Witch all- is a fucking downer. Like, I gotta be <sighs> in a certain mood to watch that shit. 100%. And I love that. This iconic line from the devil at the end. He's like, would thou like to live deliciously? I'm like, oh, it's fucking nice. beautiful. <laughs> Not only that, but dude, Ralph Innocent's voice. I, I can. Know. He could read the phone book. And I'd be happy. Yeah, you'd probably get hard and shit. I probably <laughs> would. I'd be like, oh my god. But it is going to be a Nosferatu, which I oh, am yes. really excited to see that shit. Yes. I'm hoping it's in black and white. I hope so too. Yeah. That would be perfect. Yeah. Especially because you can tell he can do that, right? Not only that, I kind of like the idea of directing in black and white anyways, especially based off of our last film because I hate color correction. So it's partly And it's lazy. crazy because we didn't even do it the right way anyway. Because to do bl- black and white, you're supposed to wear certain colors in the first place. Okay. You're supposed to have everything a certain color so it translates better when you turn into black and white. Makes sense. Yeah. I so we kind of just... uh just made it black and white. Well, because why did I do it black and white? It was mainly color correction. Yeah, because some of it wasn't coming out right, so I was like, "Fuck it, black and white." <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. I liked it. Yeah. Um, but those two are definitely like a toss-up right now for me for like my two favorite directors. Yeah. Robert Eggers just has the slight edge for me, and especially because I know what's coming from him next. Mm-hmm. But, dude, it's like a constant fucking, like, seesaw battle between them right and now. And it's crazy because it's so different because Ari Aster, his movies are, like, really relatable to me. Mm-hmm. And Robert Eggers are more, like, of that fantastical, like, fantasy feel. See, and I think that's another reason I like it is because I was always into uh, Odyssey and... <sighs> Those fantastical stories, stuff that lends to the lighthouse, like like Odyssey uh, or Odysseus or whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, 
where you kind of get those parallels of like Prometheus with the fire, stealing the fire from the gods and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then literally the Northman is Hamlet. That's all yeah, it is. It, it, it's just Lion King. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's just beautifully told. Yeah. And it is so concise. There's no fucking fluff or filler. There really is. It is just perfectly to the point, which is all I really want in the film. I'm so tired of all these things that go nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's another one of those things where I kind of, I appreciate the point of the Brown recluse in Bo is afraid, but after it gets him hit by the car, it's gone. Yeah. It's no longer a threat. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost like a red herring. Mm-hmm. I love the simple storytelling in most of Robert Eggers stories where there's a clear and concise threat and you know what you're battling. Mm-hmm. It's a, a little more simple where I do enjoy Midsummer and hereditary and Bo is afraid because there's a mystery to it. Mm-hmm. You are constantly trying to guess what the fuck is going to happen to the point where maybe three quarters of the way through midsummer, you get the vibe of where you're going Mm -hmm. even to the end of hereditary. You're like, okay, holy fuck. I didn't expect this. Yeah. Bo is afraid. It's a fucking crapshoot. Yeah. (laughs) You're like anything can happen. And I'm surprised there's some people like reviews that I've seen that say the movie went nowhere. Like I've seen a couple that say like the ending was lackluster and it kind of went, I'm like, how do you think? I can understand, like, not, like, being a big fan of the ending, but to say it's, like, it leads nowhere and it's lackluster, I think that's kind of, like, lazy. And I think it's kind of... I will respect anybody's opinion on certain things. Yeah, I can respect the opinion, but I still think it's lazy. I do agree as well, because it's, like, I don't know how you can make the assertion that nothing happened... And there was no point to it because you literally just watched three hours. You can maybe make that argument for the middle. If you want to take that out, you kind of can. Oh, the whole play thing? Yes. Yeah, you re- and really, you really can. If you wanted to make it, some I'm sure somebody will make an edit of it. You can literally cut that whole thing out yes. and be fine. You can literally go straight from Nathan Lane's house to fucking... Like the end of the play. The end of the play. <laughs> and I completely agree. Yeah. But... I so thoroughly enjoyed it. I wouldn't want it to be. Missing. Yeah, no, I, t- I could take another three hours of that shit. If 100%. it was like three hours longer. Yeah, it was. I don't, I don't know what it was about it. Yeah. It just fucking fantastic. Yeah. And you can call me a shill. You can call me whatever you want. You can call me an ass kisser for Ari. Oh, I'm an Ari Aster stand. A hundred percent. Yeah. Justice would justice. And you can fight about Eminem and Ari Aster. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> justice is to Eminem. I am for Ari Aster. <laughs> but, I think dismissing it is definitely lazy. Yeah, and then there's another review I said um, where the guy said like the ending was like one of those oh fuck you endings to where the movie ends and you're like ah oh, fuck you. I disagree. I feel like yeah, it was like, very well played. Yeah, I'm like it ended. That's the only way it could have ended. Yeah, like it couldn't have ended with him just like living his life at that point. The only way that I could see him actually being able to just live his life is if he legitimately just killed his mother. Like, yeah, and guaranteed he finished the job. And even then, that wouldn't have made sense for the whole movie. The and way I the, do, agree. yeah, the way because the way his mom had a stronghold over his life, she had to have a fucking hold over his death too. Yes, it only made sense. It's like poetry. Just overall, 
fucking crazy movie. Yeah. Eight out of ten easily. Yep. You can argue higher. You gotta you, once I see it a second time, I'll see. Because yes. I'm sure when I watch this second, I'm gonna pick up on more shit. Oh yeah. You can argue lower for yeah. certain people, and I get that. I will but. say this movie is not deep enough for people to make like ending explained videos. Like it's pretty it's a deep movie. But it's pretty cut and dry as far as what it's about yes. after you watch it. I agree. Yeah. 100%. It's definitely one of those things, like, even Chris Stuckman said in his video, after the film, I was so lost and just dumbfounded by the movie that even after a 35-minute drive home, <laughs> I still didn't know what I was going to make the video about. Yeah. Because it is just... It's a mind fuck. Yeah. In every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. You will either love this film or fucking hate it. Yeah, and there's a good mix of it. I wonder, what's the score now? I haven't checked. Because it was at 70-something when it came out. I think it only made like a couple million dollars, too. I'm Honestly, I wish it would make more. I wish it would be profitable. It went down to 70 from 77 last time I checked. Which, 70 is still pretty high, considering. I mean, it's more than a lot of Marvel films get. Yeah, and it has a 9 out of 10 on IGN India. Wow. Let me go to box office mojo. Box office mojo. Bo is afraid. He definitely is afraid. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> it's made a worldwide total of 3.2 million. Oh my, no. Yeah. The budget was 37? 36. 35? Oh, fuck. Uh. <laughs> oh, it's definitely an art film. Oh no! Yeah, I yeah. This movie ain't making shit international anyway, because a lot of international films have to be the action ones. Those make me. But three mil domestically. Oh. Um, I heard the uh, Blu-ray release is going to be in August already too. I'm okay with it. But yeah, I'm okay fuck. with that. But that, this that's sh- where the money's going to be, anyways. This shit ain't gonna break even, even with that. Which I'm. Sh- they had to have known that. But which shows, which shows also why A24 is a cool-ass company, if they're 100%. willing to do that regardless. Yes. You, there was no question. Like, they didn't have to do that shit. But I also think that's the benefit to certain films like Everything Everywhere All at Once, is they can make their money back with movies like that, and then they will funnel just art. Yeah. Like, but if nothing else, you can make your argument for whatever, but was afraid is just art. It's art house film through and through. It's a true, yeah, it's a true, like, piece of, like, art. Yeah. that th- This movie, honestly, to me, represents what films should be. And it's not this fucking, like, MCU, like, big budget fucking process bullshit. I never thought I would say this. I am so fucking fatigued by superhero films. Yeah. The, the one that really broke me was Ant-Man. It really I broke me. I personally enjoyed it. Oh, you watched it finally? Yes. Okay. Um, But... I can definitely see where it's we're retreading the same old water over and over again, and you're just like fuck. Whereas I think Captain Marvel was what broke me, I'm, and and I have not even seen the trailer for the Marvels because I'm just like I don't care. I watched it regrettably. Um, <laughs> the only way I'm gonna get excited about a superhero movie if it's a the Batman type of thing or the Joker Flash. type of thing. Fucking Flash fucking flash but i get more excited for like those like more filmmaker driven ones like the batman yes. and joker 100 percent. like a spawn one 
theoretically could be one of those but i don't think i'm ever gonna get that in yes. my life and i will agree because and i want a job for that too Fuck. the batman was one of the films i think i was the most excited for within the last five years honestly my whole life probably i can probably agree with you yeah it was fucking insane for me like there's not a whole lot of stuff i will go see opening nights that was like the one. Yep. That and Bo was afraid. <laughs> Joker too is gonna be in day one for me. I mean, I guess I watched Joker opening night too, but still, fuck. Joker too. Oh. Gotta wait I'm, another fucking year, basically. I'm still struggling with that one. They showed some footage of it at CinemaCon. Oh, they did. Yeah. What's the consensus? I don't know. They didn't really describe it. It was only like a couple shots. Um, and then they also showed a couple shots from the Exorcist sequel that's coming out, which should never have been made in the first fucking place. <sighs> it comes out this October. I'm like, I'm, fuck. I'm kind of like, tired. Like, why can't you leave that shit alone? I'm kind of tired of horror movie sequels and prequels. The only way I'm good with it is if you do fucking Friday the 13th, not Friday the 13th. Yeah, that, if you do that right again, and if you do a Nightmare on Elm Street right again. The only franchise that I haven't gotten tired of with sequels is Scream. Yeah, it's because they bring in, they brought in new filmmakers and they did something fresh with it yes. again. That's that's why Evil Dead Rise made a lot of money this past weekend. Yes. It's because it's fresh. Well, I think that's the thing, and that's one of the biggest points with all the screen movies has always been one-upping the past and creating new tropes. It's never something been about... Something interesting in each one. Yeah. You, you use old tropes and then you capitalize on them and create new shit. Yeah. It's always been exciting. Yep. That's why, yeah. Except I want, for three. Yeah, except for three. <laughs> I want like a, a filmmaker to go into like Nightmare on Elm Street and like do something interesting with interesting with it. Well, the because last you time... obviously have to stick with the lore, but you can do something interesting with it. And then I tried to watch that 2010 yeah. one. I'm like, that's boring as fuck. It's very boring. I'm like, what the fuck? And it shouldn't have been because Jackie Earl Haley is a fucking great actor. Yeah. But, and that's another thing. I don't know who could play Freddy. I really don't know. Well, Robert England is like... He, he is Freddy. He played it so fucking well, you you almost can't replace him ever. I know. And that's that'd be the tough thing about it, but I think it can be done if they it, did it right. It's like replacing Jigsaw. Yeah, at this point, yeah. Well, yeah, he's iconic. Yeah, it'd be hard to do that. Um, I'm trying to think of iconic... Obviously, you can always do Jason and Leatherface because they're they faceless. They don't talk. Uh, um, even Michael Myers. Michael Myers, yeah. Uh, but I will say with Michael Myers, there's a certain physicality that you have to have. Agreed. Um, but I mean, I think that's kind of the same for any big imposing monster type character, like your Michael Myers, your Jasons, stuff like that, where Hellraiser has, with the last movie, it was even proven, you can do that in multiple ways. Yeah. Honestly, Leatherface, you can do multiple ways because the 2003 remake, he was more physical, faster, mm-hmm. and in the old one, he was kind of like, not physically imposing. Mm-hmm. So, more kind of look like, he just looked like a hillbilly. Like he's creepy, yeah. but he's a little bit like goofy. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, 2003, you're like, this guy's fucking scary. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, Horror movies have definitely evolved in that regard, yeah. and it would definitely be interesting to see what they could do with a Freddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's a whole lot of other horror icons that you got you can point to where you're like, there's no one who can fucking play him. The only thing for me is the voice for Jigsaw. You could literally have anybody play Jigsaw, and you'd be fine. It is the voice 
and the like presence of the situation. Have that one fucker from The Witch. And Ralph Innocent is literally the only person I would accept. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh shit! They released a title like a, a title card for Saw Ten. Oh really? It's not just called Saw X. Well, Saw X. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it is not much to it. It's just the fucking title. But is that this year? Yep. Holy shit! Fortunately, for unfortunately, <laughs> it kind of resembles Saw One in a way, just the white color and everything. Ooh. It's kind of simplistic. Although the logo itself looks like someone made it, like very fast in photoshop i mean that's kind of what i want if i'm honest i mean obviously i'm gonna go see it yeah but i'm not gonna be happy about it hopefully i'm happy what, what if it's, it's over. like just fucking fantastic then yeah I'll fuck yeah i'm really just kind of hoping that's what we get because I this just, is my favorite horror franchise this is my second behind scream but i just can't i can't see a scenario in which this movie is going to be interesting at all i really can't <laughs> And also, they brought back a director that did five, six, and seven. And, like, they've never gone outside of house to find a director of these fucking things. Never. If if they brought anybody back, it should have been James Wan. It should have been, yeah. That would have been interesting. Um, or even Lee Winnell. Yeah, because they brought back Darren Lynn Bozeman for, for uh, Spiral. I'm like, why'd you bring back him? <sighs> I don't know. I, cause I At can't. least the cinematography was better than seven. The cinematography in Spiral is the best out of any Saw movie. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Besides, the first, the first one was like the second best because it was simplistic. Do you think Chris Rock will be in this one at all? Uh, I don't know. They'd be stupid not to capitalize on his fame at this point, but... Yeah. Because they I had just, to have options. This movie ain't making money. I'll tell you that right now. It's <sighs> not. Because it's so... Yeah, Saul's overstated. It's welcome. I know, but I fucking love it. I like... Yeah, yeah. I do too, but... <sighs> If I had to pick out the ones that are like truly good, one, two, three, six, and spiral. Yeah. Everything else kind of sucks. <laughs> I got to agree. I mean, but you're only dismissing four, five, and seven. And Jigsaw. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's it's still good odds. Is it? It's five the out of four. shit is whack. Five to four. It's just barely winning, but it's winning. Charlie Sheen. What? Oh. Like, by what? winning. I'm by, I'm by, here, I'm there. I got tiger here, blood, man. There. I, got, I got tiger blood. I'm an Adonis. I did more drugs than anybody could ever survive. <laughs> and then a couple years later, he had AIDS. He had AIDS. That's fucking crazy. Fucking nuts. But yeah, uh, everybody, like I said at the beginning, uh, everyone should go see Bo's Afraid because it's very likely that you'll never be able to see a movie like this in the theater again. Yeah. Uh, let alone IMAX. You'll never see a movie like this in IMAX again. No. And it's not even showing in IMAX anymore, so I'm glad we did that. John Wick yeah, is back true. in IMAX. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So it, Yeah, I definitely don't regret watching So it. I can say in my autobiography called Where's the Bathroom um, that I saw Bo's Afraid in IMAX. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that being said, uh, I don't even know what episode we're on. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Let me look that shit that up. That is fair. I want to say it's 113. I think that's probably correct. Uh, but yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. You have been watching the Through the Flins podcast. Uh, my name is Anthony Stevens. My name is Damien Worcestershire Sauce. <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah, it is 113. Okay. If you don't mind, follow oh, us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. 
I don't think. Do we have a Snapchat? Cash app. <laughs> Send me some fucking money. Send me some money. I'll send you nudes. Send me some money. Love and need. Yeah, she's a trifling friend indeed. Oh, oh she's, she's a gold digger. Way on the town. That digs on me. No, I was saying she a gold digger. She ain't messing with no broke. Broke. <laughs> radio edit um and uh if you don't also mind following us on apple Podcasts, spotify make sure to like share subscribe and uh share us with some of your friends we would really appreciate it we will see you guys next time Peace. what do i feel about what i don't remember uh <laughs> in, in relation to assassin's creed i believe oh uh that what's the new one called mirage mirage I'm actually extremely excited because they're going back to the old style of gameplay, they say. And if that's the case, I'm all the way fucking in, like balls deep in and out. My eyes twitching. That's always fun. It's fucking irritating when that happens. I haven't had that in a minute. That usually means I've had too much caffeine. Are you recording? Yeah. All right. Are we doing this traditional style or are we just fucking rolling? Don't mention rolling. <laughs> <laughs> rolling, 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 rolling. Yeah. <laughs> I knew how to do I did that dance back in the day when I was like seven. <laughs> back up, back up. <laughs> what you gonna do now? Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, now I know y'all be loving this, this shit right here. L-I-M-P. Biscuit is right here. Because if you don't care, then we don't care. I remember when that was fucking uh, Undertaker's uh, Oh my theme god. Music. He seems like the kind of guy that would hate that shit. I know. And then he switched to fucking Kid Rock. That makes sense. <laughs> like, oh my god. I never knew how America he was. I watched his, because he wears those thin whatever the fuck line with the helicopter shirts. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he seems cool still. Because he switched to, like, towards the, the end of his career. Guy. He said, I am American badass. Ugh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's like that video of him just shooting the fucking uh, Bud Light fucking case. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, that shit made me laugh. It was so crazy. It was, I'm like, are you fucking Dude, serious? I cannot tell you how much money we've lost on Bud Light products. So also, it did have a negative effect. Oh, hugely. Except for in, like, the metropolitan cities, it's been fine. Okay. Because it's apparently that, lost billions. Oh yeah, five. Damn. Damn. Okay. They already fired the VP of marketing, the chick who made that decision. So I do you think it would have been as big of an issue if it was just for gay pride instead of having the trans person on it? So I'll be a hundred percent honest. I don't think that was the main issue. It was a huge issue with most of my customers. Hundred mm. percent. The biggest issue is the fact that with at least the majority of the population because their sales went up in metropolitan cities sales went down in the rural areas and the more right-wing areas. Um, but the biggest thing was afterwards, the VP of marketing decided to go out and start talking shit about the customers yeah, saying that the brand was declining and has been out of touch for years and that the humor behind it was too fratty. Freddy? Freddy. Quote Freddy. Unquote, those were her words. And that's when the stock just started going. Hmm. Okay. So if she could have shut the fuck up, maybe it would have worked. Mm. But 
I mean, how long are they running this shit, this campaign? About three weeks now. Four weeks? How long do they usually run these things? Because I don't even know. I don't Inde- pay attention. Undetermined. But they they fucking steered back the other way real hard with a Budweiser commercial that was like super patriotic and pro America, and then Fuck people the gays. and people don't realize that Anheuser Busch is a Belgian company. I didn't know that. So, but most Americans don't. No, they're they don't. just like they're Budweiser. Budweiser. So yeah, fucking frauds. Fucking sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> it's just been it's been very funny to watch some of this stuff go down. I will say the one thing that's funny to me is that these conservative people call like people snowflakes and shit, but they're like up in arms about this. I mean, I get it, but then like, at the same time, it's like you just kind of like. So I I agree, but at the same time, he- here's my other thing: is it's really funny to watch the people on the left react because. If we're being 100% honest, people on the left are the ones who are like, protest fucking everything if it's not fitting their agenda. Yeah. Okay. So it's like the same shit. Exactly. Yeah. So the f- this is one of the few times where you can definitely say, hey, the right has gone fucking way overboard with protesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And yeah. I, I don't disagree. I have my own opinions about whatever. Yeah. Fine. We're not even going to get into it. But... When the right decides to do something like that, it's the end of the world. And here's the other thing. And I, I fucking hate even getting into this, but it's pause. It's the examples of January 6th compared to the protests, quote unquote, of the BLM movement during 2020 after George Floyd's death. Those on the steps of Capitol buildings were considered peaceful protests with broken windows and bash and everything. And then you literally have videos come out of like the police walking uh, Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, through the, uh, it wasn't the Capitol building, it was basically the, uh, what was it? <sighs> Whatever building it was on January 6th. Peacefully. Nothing was damaged. The only person that died was a protester. And then. They like to claim that somebody, one of the cops there that day died during the protests or the riots or however you want to call it, literally died three days later of suicide. Mm. So it's like there are these wild exaggerations on one side and then there are these under exaggerations on the other, but both like to point the finger and say, this is a riot and this is an insurrection, and this is this, and this is that. There's no happy medium, and there's no honesty on either fucking side. No, there's not. Like you said, yeah, because you know, one will be protesting, and then one will, like... No, it's just back and forth, like yeah. you said. Well, because, like, during those riots, I can't tell you how many people died. Yeah. But, I mean, and that's, a, yeah, that's considered a peaceful protest. But it's also the difference in how things are reported. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other side where literally... Minimal damage. It's considered an insurrection. No one died. There was some wild shit going on. I'm not going to lie. But even on the news, they show this fucking um, guillotine, right? Mm-hmm. That they're like, oh my God, they're threatening Mike Pence. And then you actually get the full view of this guillotine, and it's a miniature fucking thing. It is not a full size actual operational guillotine, it is a model to represent something. While that is gross and it shouldn't have been there, 
it was over-exaggerated to scare people. Like, it's always that way. We can't have a happy medium to where we can be honest with each other. We're constantly fucking fighting. Yep. It's fucking wild. And that's what they want. And I hate saying that because it feels conspiratorial. But but it's it's like, how are we not agreeing on this part? Everybody is so dead set. Like, I'll be honest. I listen to wild shit like Steven Crowder. And then I listen to (laughs) wild shit on the other side where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, they both are so wildly opposing where you're just like, they both can't be true. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't believe one or the other. And then there's truth littered throughout each side yes but it's so like buried beneath everything else that you can't see it a hundred percent and everyone wants to bury it under their biases and just yeah keep fucking pushing their own agenda if we could literally have a genuine talk about these things we would be fine Mm -hmm. it's never going to happen but everybody gets like erratic right away yeah and you know what's crazy like before before trump and obviously it's worse now, but before Trump, I never, never saw shit like this happen as much as it's happening now. And I do agree with that, but I also think me and you were far too young. I was 30. <laughs> me and you had, uh, well, during Obama's second term, we became adults. Yeah. The first time I was able to vote was Obama's second term. And even term. then, I didn't see this shit. Yeah, but that's the other thing is social media news coverage and everything else is so much more prevalent now yeah and the 24-hour news cycle was already a huge thing when we were growing up but it's become constant and now it's 25 hours yeah (laughs) basically it's unavoidable now Mm -hmm. you can't get away from hearing about political views every fucking way you know it got to the point where i'm like i don't want to hear shit about shit like World news, U.S. news, anything. I, like, muted words on Twitter so I wouldn't have to see it. And I still see it. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? It's fucking nuts. You can't go a minute without hearing about Elon and Twitter. You can't go a minute without hearing about AOC. Biden. 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 Byron. Trump. Byron. <laughs> Take me out to dinner, baby. Trump. DeSantis. That fucking white chick. That uh, fucking... <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene. I kind of respect her in a way because what she said is so fucking off the walls. This is hilarious. <laughs> Everybody, but that's the thing. Like nobody who's like a moderate is ever promoted. You only hear about the fucking wide ends. Yeah, because that's they. That's how they yeah. want. You have like people like, and I. I don't want to promote anybody. I'm just saying you have people like Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a Republican candidate, who. Just like fucking torched uh, Don Lemon last week, got Don Lemon fucking fired. Oh, and uh, what's his nuts, Tucker Carlson? Yeah, I'm like, damn, two like, of these, both these motherfuckers. It's fucking crazy. Like the whole landscape has switched in the last two days. Yeah, and now you got conservatives talking shit about Fox News. Yeah, something. Like, what the fuck's going well, on, bro? That's the crazy part. Is there's clearly something. Well, 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 you can't say that Don Lemon is going to change the landscape of CNN because he wasn't a big draw for them. He wasn't as big to CNN as Tucker Carlson was to Fox News. Tucker Carlson was the number one draw. He was Fox period, News. About Fox News. Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's 95% of why, why people... Why let him go? I didn't even look into it. Honestly, there could be a few things. He has been uh, touting a lot that you can't trust the media. He even went on the Full, uh, full Send podcast recently. 
and started going off about that. Well, I mean, he's that, not wrong. But he's not. And he is. And he's media. a part of the media. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, I think that that kind of discredited what he does and the company he worked for. So they were like, okay, that's part of it. The other thing is he has public, he publicly came out on that podcast and said his biggest regret in his whole career was supporting the, the Iraq war. So that's another huge thing, but that's no, no for was, that side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's while he was working at CNN. So who, what is this guy? Because I know he has wild. Oh, he's sometimes. wildly right. He's okay. further right than Trump. Okay. And, but, he is, but then sometimes he says some shit where I'm like, and I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think everybody has nuggets of truth that you can listen to and be like, okay, there's logic there. Mm. But the other big thing is Fox and Fox news just had to settle for like a 727 or $797 million lawsuit against the dominion voting machines, Mm. which made it to where they have to cut their budget. They got rid of not only uh, Tucker Carlson, but I can't even remember the other dude's name that, they just didn't renew his contract. He wasn't as big of a name, but he'll be able to go somewhere else and continue his career, whether it's on podcasts or daily wire or whatever the fuck. I guess that's a big thing. Like, even if you get fired from these places, you can do your own thing in any way. Yeah. You, he, like, Tucker Carlson could create a podcast and pop out Cause he already has a clout. He could either create his own podcast. He can go to the daily wire. That's a big place. He can go to Steven Crowder's new production company. Oh yeah. Cause he had beef with the, yeah. uh, he also he, divorced. He can go to OAN, which is, even more right wing than Fox, or he can start his own company now and he would be able to be wildly successful because he has yeah. those carryovers. Yeah, it's the clout. It's crazy. It's all about the clout, baby. So I think the, the, the lawsuit is going to be the biggest factor behind his leaving because they can't afford him at this point, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. The other thing that Fox has going for them, which is weird, because you have all of these big like left-wing late-night shows. You have Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, and who's, uh, who's the fat Steve. British guy? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but there's Stephen uh, Colbert. Stephen Colbert, but he's gone way downhill. I loved him on Comedy Central on the, was it the, da- not uh, the Daily Show? Uh, the Colbert Report. Yes. That was um, a good show. But who, he got too far. Who's gone. the fat British white guy? Uh, James, James Corden. James Corbin. Corden. I hate that guy. Gutfeld on Fox has higher ratings than all of them. That's crazy. Which blows my mind. But you have one right wing option for the four left wing options. Yeah, and um, I feel like all those shows, like Jimmy Kimmel and all of them, would be better off if they just stood away from politics in general and just, just interviewed celebrities well, and, and just talked about entertainment. Back when Leno and... Uh, who was the other big one? Uh, Letterman. Letterman. We're and, on top. Uh, what's his nuts? The orange-haired dude. Conan. Conan. Conan's still on top, but he doesn't put a lot of his politics into it. Yeah. Which is why he's a little bit more refreshing. And... But when Leno and Letterman and Conan were at the top of their game, there were obviously politics because that's always going to be the top, the top talking points, but it wasn't drilled down your throat every five seconds Yeah, to where you could actually talk about public topics without getting into politics every five minutes. The landscape in the last five years, let alone the last 20 has changed so much Yeah, where now people, A, we're, we're not as uh, consumed by television and everything as much anymore. We're 
podcasts, where webisodes or whatever social you media. want to call it, social media constantly. I have never in my personal life considered getting rid of Facebook until the last like three weeks because I'm like, I'm getting tired of shit. If it wasn't for Thwackjack and what we're doing, <laughs> I'd be done. Honestly, I would yeah. not touch any of this shit. I know, dude, because like I purposely don't follow like news uh like social media or like even like uh some pundits that i do like i don't follow them and yet like i said i still see shit from people that shouldn't be talking about shit. It's, i'm like what the fuck yeah dude, it, it's just crazy to see i do follow tommy learn i mean me and you have sworn off politics that has been the first 10 minutes of this already <laughs> no, i know we're like, never supposed to talk about who it is you cannot get away from this at all yeah dude it's crazy like i never thought the nelk boys and the full send podcast would align themselves with any politics at all let alone going as far right as they have donald trump dude he's in, funny as fuck he is he's hilarious <laughs> in the last three weeks they've interviewed i believe ron DeSantis, donald trump Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump Jr. I feel like I would want to interview those guys more than like left people because I feel like they'd give more interesting interview. I agree, but they are kissing their asses. Oh, I wouldn't kiss ass. No, they are like, yeah, like no, a hundred percent. I definitely, I'd try not to get heated in a debate, but I'd like throw shit out just to piss them off or just I'd, I'd throw some my of my ID ideologies out there if you're if i'm interviewing those people i wouldn't suck them off or anything no and i I agree and i think that's the thing that people need is we need interviews with opposition that aren't going to sit there and dog on people yeah but we need people who aren't going to sit there and suck each other's asses at the same time yeah i also want to see if i can find some other full send podcasts that are with people of opposing views because i've only seen those right wing ones where i'm like it just it just doesn't ever seem like what I expected of them, but COVID has changed a lot of people's opinions on both sides and they've gone more extreme Yeah, because you're like, I either trust the government or fuck that because Bradley Martin was one of those people that like Nate Medina, one of my really close personal friends, people who don't listen to the podcast all the time. One of his biggest heroes when, Oh, but like before COVID and I don't know his opinions on him now, but he's a big bodybuilder. He owned his own gym. And one of the reasons he's more successful now, apart from the Nelk stuff and the happy dad and the full send was he decided not to close his doors for his gym during Mm -hmm. COVID and decided to basically take whatever, uh, punishment he would take, like could take, during covid kept his doors open and every other gym around him closed and after all the restrictions were lifted all the fines were basically lifted like it's fucking crazy like the last few years have just been bananas in their own right but all these politics i literally have a headache just recapping half of this shit yeah dude it's uh it's insane and the full send podcast is much as i wish it didn't have a bearing on my own personal income it does because their production their uh what what, what do you want to call it promotion is directly tied to liquor stores because of happy dad Mm. and especially with this new death row uh collaboration that they just came out with with the grape flavor of happy dad like it's fucking nuts yeah, dude, it's fucking crazy. There's no end. 
there's no end. There's never going to be an end. Um, yeah, it's hard to escape it. I try my best. I try my best, but uh, Twitter is like the main spot. Twitter's the one that I haven't gone down enough, and I'm happy about Don't it. Don't do it. It's terrifying. I find myself arguing about like anything. <laughs> You're the first thing I see when I get <laughs> on fucking Twitter. I'm like, oh, who Damien replied to now? <laughs> Yeah, most of it is because of when I'm bored, I go on there and be like, I need to do something. So I'm like, fight with people. Sometimes I don't even mean it. I just say shit to piss people off. <laughs> um, but yeah. And honestly, like, religion is starting to become, like, a big thing in that way, too. People are weaponizing that even more now. Well, I mean, there are things that are hard to ignore. Oh, yeah. But I think people claim stuff way too often. Yeah. What set you claim? <laughs> Well, so here's one of the examples. While I kind of disagree with the label of a hate crime for anything, because let's be honest, like if you're committing anything that could be labeled as a hate crime, it's already bad enough and you're going to get like essentially probably close to life in prison anyways. Yeah. So (laughs) what's the point? Right. It's, are you going to kill somebody that you don't hate? No. So therefore... Like, come on. It's not really... You can't label it as... Every crime is a hate crime at that point. Like, fucking come on. I know. <laughs> but yeah. everyone was. Everyone will claim hate crime every fucking time something happens. Yep. But the minute there is a private school that is a s- specifically Christian that is shot up by who cares who, it's more about who the shooter was than... The people the that they killed. Were. Yeah, and that's how honestly that's how it always is with the uh, fucking mass shootings. Like even Columbine. Like some people know who the. I know that there's twelve people that died. But I don't know the names. I don't even know the number of people that died. Yeah, I, I know the names. It's Harrison Klebold. Well, those guys. I'm talking about the names yeah. of the victims. That's what I'm yeah, saying. like you just know these guys. Yeah, and that's why I think like when that shit happens, they should stop announcing the shooter, stop showing them, and stop sending them because that like makes them infamous. And that's what a lot of them want. Oh, whether they say it or not. And even if that wasn't their goal, like there's some ulterior motive. Yeah. But like that, 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 that's, that's the other thing is like certain acts against certain communities are labeled a hate crime, but it's a Christian school and it's just, it's a tragedy. They don't label it the same way. While I, I am a Christian. It is what it is. (gasps) Pussy. But like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, why don't you call this a crime? Like, there's just blatant, obvious differences in the way things are not only reported, but just touted. Yeah. It's just wild anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all, a lot of it's uh, pick and choose. Very much. Pick and choose. And then you have the other people that will claim that, and I don't a hundred percent agree with this, but I don't a hundred percent disagree with this, that like religion is just being attacked outright anymore. Like Hmm. if you claim to be religious anymore, it's weird that people who are religious are essentially the minority even compared to 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, I love it. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) And like, that's one thing, like I'm perfectly fine with being friends with people who have, a multitude of different views. Yeah, and there's also a difference. Like, I, I, I can like respect people's like beliefs and shit, 
so long as they don't like try to shove it in my fucking face like i don't do that yeah but you st- I still have people do that to me like a lot 100 percent. i'm like the fuck but i'll be honest I, I will never be the person who's like, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. You need to. Yes. Yeah. I have my own beliefs for a specific mm-hmm. reason. Spaghetti God, monster, whatever the fuck. <laughs> I have more people trying to convince me that God's not real mm-hmm. than I've ever met people trying to convince me that God is real. Really? It is fucking wild. I'm but not there quite yet. That's the difference in times. When I was growing up, it was completely the opposite. Especially up to the point where I was like 12. Mm-hmm. But it was also the people I was surrounded by because of family and then you grow up in this different world that we have now and it's constant downgrading of stuff like that from certain people and then you have people who are like just genuinely logical and can respect each other's boundaries yeah which is rare on both sides anymore mm-hmm. like as far as social media goes i'll like respect it but then when someone tries to like says something fucking crazy that's when i like troll them and I get that. Yeah. To a degree. <laughs> I've seen some of your stuff where I'm like, whoa. <laughs> well, like I said, a lot of it's just to piss people off, and right. it does. But <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, dude. You can't really believe in anything nowadays without like getting shit for it one way or the other. Yeah. Basically, to end this part of the podcast, just real quick. We weren't even supposed to do this today. I, <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Um, just to go at the end of the podcast. That's, that's perfectly fine yeah. with me.